Hello, I'm Joshua Vickery. And hi, I'm Mary Thompson Hunt. Welcome to From the Heart. Central Florida is widely known for its tourist spots and attractions, but many people don't know about its thriving arts community. On this show, we are excited to introduce to you talented and passionate artists who are making arts work in our community. How do they create and why? And how can Central Florida benefit from an even greater arts presence? On each episode, we'll introduce you to guests who are influential leaders and artists who are truly making a difference. From the heart. Well, hello, Mary. Hi, Joshua. <laughs> it's always an adventure with you. I'll just start with that. <laughs> did you have a good week, my friend? I sure did. It was a, an eventful week and uh, wonderful at work. Had a neat experience with a woman that I met while on Main Street. She comes to Disney just because she said it fills her. And in conversation, I learned that she's from Utah. Mm. She travels to Broadway four times a year to see a bunch of shows. She goes to California to see shows. And I say, why are the arts so important to you? And she said, it fills me. Wow. And I love that. And I, I've been thinking a lot about that because we talk about body, mind, spirit. Mm-hmm. And we fill our body with food and nutrition. And we fill our mind with knowledge. And we fill our souls and spirits with art. I love that. And when you say Main Street, what's that mean, Mary? Uh, Main Street, <laughs> USA. <laughs> yes, for those of you. Uh, Main Street, USA, that's where someone I know is lives on Main Street and will welcome you there if you're ever there. <laughs> Nicely, nice, well, nicely, <laughs> nicely, well done. How so, about your week? Oh, it was great. I had a a, a week full of the arts, mm-hmm. uh, which I usually do. But I was in Tallahassee last week. That's why That's I couldn't right. join you on the show. I, I told get to everyone talk you to were Jason. going to Tallahassee. Now you get to fill in the blank. Yeah. So Tallahassee for Arts Advocacy Day. We were we were advocating for art funding, and unfortunately, it's looking a little grim right now. Out of fifty four million dollars, the state and the house has. Uh, the first draft of the budget only has $8 million in it. So that's a lot of money cut for the arts. And so if you're listening, uh, go out to uh, uh, to your house and your state representatives for Florida and advocate for the arts and talk about how important it is and give your own personal stories because we need that money. How much for sure. less is it than it was last year? Uh, so last year it was funded at $41 million and I we need so. Yeah, and we need $54 million to... Um, to fund all of the 464 organizations around the state that have applied for, been vetted for, and been approved for funding. So it's not even like uh, these are requests. These are things that have already been re- voted and approved on. $54 million down to eight? $54 million down to $8 million. What yeah. happened? Where did it go? Uh, well, part of the reason why is because, you know, the last year in Florida has, because of the hurricanes, yes. there's been a lot of issues that have, that have risen. And our friends and our fellow citizens from Puerto Rico that have come here, yes. Over 200,000 just in Central Florida, you talk about education and housing and food, and there's just a lot of things in the eyes of the legislators. There's things that are just more important than the arts. And so what our job was to do is to go in to talk about the economic impact, how it ties to jobs, and how it ties to the quality of life when it comes to Central Florida and all of our, you know, uh, cities and counties in Florida and to really try to keep that money there. Yes, these things are important, but let's not pull from this to make it happen. Let's well, find other solutions. Where do we get solutions. it from then if we, if we have a certain amount of... Bu- oh, that's a whole other show, right, Mary, but it's show. there. <laughs> but, well, Debbie Fahey was here, and it's she was there. talking about all the influx of the uh, people coming to her schools yeah. from Puerto Rico uh, and needing instruments and needing... Mm-hmm. So 
for listeners, if you have any spare instruments around your home or if there's anything you can donate uh, to the arts and schools, please do that. Yeah. Well, listeners, you might find this boring or you might find it exciting if you love budgets and, and kind of the political world. But in the state of Florida, the way state funding is structured is there are four categories. One is program grants, which is the $54 million, And that is grants that are given out by the state for programs and for operations and for people and jobs. Then there's culture facilities, and that's the facility grants to help with organizations uh, and their physical buildings. Then there's special diversity projects, which is programs and projects that really promote diversity. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth of that is endowments, cultural endowment matches. So when organizations get to a place where they are ready to have an endowment, the state can match that to get them going. So not only was the, the, the House and Senate appropriate um, eight million out of fifty-four million in the one category. They had zero dollars in the other three categories. Really? So it's a very oh, grim, 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 um, grim right now. One other question so to go you: fight for it. How are we comparing to the other states in our union? That's a really great question, and, and I don't know that, but I can tell you that Florida um, definitely is seeing more cuts because of the hurricanes. I would assume that California, with the with the incredible funding for um, emergencies for the fires and all that's happening as well as Texas they're also having to pull some appropriations from other places for that Um, it's been a record year in Texas and California and Florida in emergency you know operational money so it's you know there's such irony in this because the more the, the tragedies, the more we need the arts to help yeah. us process and get through it. A hundred percent. And, you know, and then I spent two days doing that. And then on the flip side, I flew out the next morning, went to New York City and saw, uh, had meetings and was writing the book, but got to see two awesome shows. I I Hello, Dolly, Hello, Dolly, right? Dolly yes. with Berta Peters. Yes, who I was saw that. Amazing. She's seven years old and danced around that stage like she was 20. I mean, just, she was phenomenal. And seven? Then I, she's 70. 70, yes, seven yes. zero. Mm-hmm. And, um... And then I saw Once on this Island with Norm Lewis Aww. and Leah Salonga. And you talk about mm. uh, just creative theater. It was uh, it was definitely immersive theater. Mm. And you walked in and the whole the whole stage was um, sand, a sandbox. And my, my row was actually, I was sitting in the sand. So I kicked off my shoes Aww. and sat in the sand. And uh, here's Leah Salonga with a chicken walking around, getting you to pet the chicken. Oh and my gosh. It was just awesome. I mean, for the moment you walked in, you were on the island. And when the show started... You didn't feel like the show started. It was already happening when you walked in ah. and the mics just came up. So it was Talk really about it was immersive. A, yeah, it was really cool. So two great experiences in the arts. I needed it after. I'm sure you did. And I told everyone, I told our listeners that you were there fighting for us in Tallahassee. Last week we had Jason Hunt on. Yes. I happened to know I him. I listened to the show. You I did? got to be a listener. You know, I, I yesterday I was on a live one hour show at Rollins. You know, oh, Rollins nice. has their own radio show. Yeah. And I, I was a... A single guest on a one-hour live show, and boy, was it different than being the host. It was really different, and I thought, boy, an hour's a long time. Can we hear uh, it? Is this how? I don't know. It was, was live, it live, so maybe oh. it's come and gone. I don't know. Mm, maybe they you, taped it. We'll find out. You missed hearing me on the radio, Mary. I, I know. know. You've never heard that before. But. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you live. Hey, we have a great show, though. Why don't, we, so why don't we dive in? I'm super excited because rarely do we get to talk about shows or events or the mission of Central Florida Community Arts, of course, which is dear to my heart. Uh, But today we get to do that. And today we get to talk to three super talented guys uh, who are all performers and directors and dancers and kind of a hodgepodge of all sorts of talent. And so on the show today, we have Rob Lott, who is the senior creative catalyst for Central Florida Community Arts. 
Uh, but in this capacity, he's the show director director of The Hunchback of Notre Dame, the musical, mm. and also a really great performer out in the community. And we have Charlie Stevens, who's also in the show. He's a player in the show, which Mary made jokes about players. <laughs> well, I said I used really. to avoid them in college. <laughs> But now it's no. fair game. No, no. Now I'm married <laughs> to the to my number one player. You are an upstanding. <laughs> boy. I bet Jason would love that. Wait, that came out wrong. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Let's move on. And then Philip and Chetta, who's also in the show and uh, a performer at Walt Disney World as well. So welcome to all three of you. Thank welcome. you. Thanks. Hello. Very cool. So Rob, let's start with you. Tell us, my friend, why are you excited? Because I know you are excited <laughs> about The Hunchback of Notre Dame. And why did you choose to direct the show? Well, uh, so we'll start with the excited. I, I truly cannot think of a better uh, time than right now for this show and for us to tell this story. Uh, we talk a lot in our rehearsals and a lot in our um, scene studies and things about the show itself. And and the fact that this show has been long coming, it was, it was workshopped twice um, and never actually got to go to Broadway, but I, I, I am thrilled that it was not kept under wraps and saved for Broadway, for a Broadway run, but rather they made it available for um, regional theaters and community theaters to do. Um, and I cannot think of a better time than right now in our world that we tell this story of hope and acceptance uh, for so many of the people who are, um, myself included at times, that are just feeling marginalized and feeling mm. uh, being made to feel less than. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, for us to tell this story now, um, I, uh, that is where my excitement comes from. Such a time as this that we would be able to tell yes. the story. And so this musical actually is uh, based off the 1831 novel by Victor Hugo, not the Walt Disney animation <laughs> movie, right? Like, are we, yeah. what are maybe some differences well, in those two? And we, we should be, we should be ever so slightly careful how we talk about this as uh, a certain Walt Disney company is being mindful of uh, keeping their name uh, separated from this show. And, and to a degree, rightfully so. Um, we, yes, you will hear some familiar music um, uh, in this show from uh, uh, Alan Menken and Stephen Schwartz. Uh, and uh, Peter Parnell, who uh, who wrote the book, certainly used the 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 Disney film to um, to figure out a way a, a good solid theatrical structure to tell the story. But at the same time, they did go back to the original text um, of this story with uh, by Victor Hugo. And with that, it is certainly it's it's a tragedy, um, and uh, it doesn't necessarily have the happy ending that uh, the Disney films always do. Would it give it away if you told us what the biggest lesson takeaway is? Um, that the world is cruel, that the world <clears throat> is ugly, and uh, that it it is us alone who can f fix that. And uh, so, yeah, that 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 there there is some darkness in the world, some very real, true, honest to goodness darkness in the world. And it is up to us individually and as a group to uh, make the changes that need to be made to take that ugliness and darkness out. Well, mm. we often talk about the arts being um, change agents. Mm. Artists are, you know, we we impress upon people certain values and thoughts. So this is one of those. Oh, it's huge. Yeah, yeah. but in a good way, which is great. In a great way. Yeah, and, and for sure, we are, you know... Please don't don't miss don't mishear us. There are some some moments of frivolity and fun in the show, and uh, for sure some topsy turvy. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and we as a creative team, we'll talk more about them later. But okay. me, we as a creative team, 
uh, we run to the fun <laughs> and we love uh, having moments of laughter and fun within this show. And some beautiful voices. Oh I my goodness, there's some fantastic voices. Uh, but at the same, so I, I don't want you to think that, oh my goodness, I'm going to sit down for a theater of crying uh, for, for the next uh, couple of hours. But no, rather it's, it, it certainly, there's, there's some dark moments, um, but at the same time, uh, all wrapped up in a, in a well-told story that I think will not only make you think and make you feel, but also make you laugh at sometimes as well. One of the things I love about theater is that is shows that really kind of take me on an emotional roller coaster. Like I want to be exhausted when I yep. walk out of the mm-hmm. theater. Like I want to, I want to go low, I want to go high, I want to feel, is that something that's going to, I'm going to experience when I go to see Hunchback of Notre Dame? Oh my goodness. Well, you know, I, um, I forget who said it and I'm, I'm going to botch the, the quote, but you know, that, that all great stories will either make you think they will make you laugh they will make you um they, they, they will make you cry all great stories will do those things and they will challenge you and the best stories will do all of all those of them. Mm. and uh, i think that we have a best on our hands oh i love that i love that well, well said. charlie so this is an epic musical it truly truly is what is it like to sing and to act uh with the score yeah it it is, it's a lot of fun. First of all, there's, there's listening to the original cast album uh, from the Paper Mill production uh, kind of gives us an idea of what to expect when we finally sit down for our first sits probe and then also when we finally get to be into the venue itself. So I, I can't wait to hear it with the full orchestra, the full choir, but there are moments where I'm like, I'm glad we're doing a lot of rehearsals now because the music can take you to emotional places that you might not be ready for that yeah. once you get a few under your belt and it's actually happening live, you could have more control. But I just know a few songs already that I just already tear up in the middle of singing and you're all like, Oh, I'm already moved by your voice. I know. <laughs> I know. So what role do you, are you in this show? So I, I'm one of the players. So I encapsulate a few roles within the show, but the, uh, the main two are our father Dupin who uh, kind of sets Frollo's younger brother on a life course. Uh, due to some things that Frollo's younger brother did. And then I also play King Louis the 13th, 11th. King Louis. <laughs> One of the King Louis. after 10? Yeah, right? yeah, I mean, come we, on. we all lost track. <laughs> I love uh, The that. prudent. The prudent he's known as. Okay. And then, yeah. So you get to do multiple roles in the show. And that is something I live for. I love creating multiple different characters. I love, I love bringing different aspects of myself out to different characters. So this is this has been quite a joy. Oh, Charlie, we can't wait to learn more. And Philip, when we come back, we're gonna we're gonna learn all about you and what you're doing in this show. But for now, we're gonna take a break. And join us in just a few minutes. We'll be back on Magic 107.7 FM from the heart. Welcome back to From the Heart. I'm Mary Thompson Hunt here with Joshua Vickery and very excited to be talking to some of the major players of Hunchback that will be performed on February 8th and 9th at 730. Uh, We hope that you'll all take a trip out to Northland Community Church and 
and see that production. However, we're about to talk to Philip because we didn't get to you a moment ago. So tell us, we know that you are going to be a player and you are the dance captain. I am. Uh, tell us about your role. So um, just like Charlie, I'm one of the players in, in the company and I encompass several different roles. I play several gypsies and townspeople, um, a gargoyle or two during the show. Um, it's it's a great show and we're having a lot of fun with it. How many costume changes do you have? Um, stay tuned. Okay. <laughs> is that code for I don't know yet? <laughs> uh, everything everything is flexible in our show at the moment. Yeah. We, are, we are we are introducing costumes uh, in the coming days to the cast. We have not yeah. reached show week yet, so yeah. everything Absolutely. is up for negotiation. Okay. And yes. the costumes we have seen are, are fantastic. Um, Ashley is our costumer and she's doing a fantastic job getting all of us clothed. Um, it's quite a bit of sewing on her part, so of course. <laughs> yeah, and how big is this cast? So we have a 16, 16 players? 16, 16 players altogether, and uh, uh, and then we have 100 a voice choir, mm -hmm. wow. um, as well as a 35-member orchestra, 35-piece yes. orchestra. Um, and so, yeah, when we talk about the the epic nature of this show, it's not just the, the, the plot itself, the story itself, but really, truly, it's going to be a giant undertaking with everybody that's going to be on stage. What was it like the first night you had a rehearsal with the choir? Uh, <laughs> wow. Gentlemen. Um, so the first night was actually the first day. We, we um, All the players had gotten called and then the full, the full um, as many of the choir as we could get. Um, and we were learning Bells of Notre Dame, um, as opening. you should on your yeah. opening. <laughs> and uh, just to, and I've done a couple of productions of Central Florida Community Arts before. So to hear a choir of that size just sing behind you, is it, it, it just... It kind of blows you away, takes you back for a minute. And it just says you're listening to all the voices kind of meld and mix and we're all learning parts. You just realize how small of a part you play, but it's it's so important that you play that part in the bigger picture. Like, mm. it's great. I love that. So paint that. the picture of what the audience will see. They'll see the choir. They'll see the orchestra. They'll see the player. Paint it because it's, it is phenomenal. I've gone to Northland and seen CFC Arts Productions, and you feel like you're... I don't know, at the Met or something, with all these players <laughs> on stage. Paint the picture for them. Sure, absolutely. So um, we have, we definitely have risers that are in the back of the of the theater, and that's where our, the, our choir will be standing, and they will all, in true choir fashion, will 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 be standing in their blocks, and it will be amazing just to see the sheer number of them. And we also, the, right in front of them, will be our, our orchestra, and conducted by Jacob, our music director. And then in front Jacob of Haynes. them, yes. Mm -hmm. And then right in front of them will be. Um, just our stage set. So uh, the 16 players that are narrators for the story and the the major story and component will be in the front of that, and we'll we'll play in and out, exiting in and out. But our choir and our orchestra are on stage the entire time, so it's definitely encompassing. We have LED LED screens that are, are beautifully decorated <laughs> that that kind of create the scene and get you transported into the space that is um, 1482 Paris. It's, and what I love about Northland also is it has such an epic quality to the room itself. When you go in, you see these big wooden beams on the side going all the way up to the ceiling. And the the most of the story takes place within the church and even more specifically within Quasimodo's bell tower room that when you go into Northland, you almost think, Northland was almost designed perfectly for this show uh -huh. because Absolutely. it's just it's just you look up, you look to the sides and you feel like, I mean, it is a church, but you feel like you're in a massive cathedral what and that's what this story was meant to be told in almost something of this massive size so you feel like you're you're there you're living with quasi and all of his statues and gargoyles in there mm -hmm. and i just i just 
it's going to be amazing to behold and just be immersed into. This wow. vast wow. production with these many people, how much are people going to pay? This sounds like it should be very expensive. Just oh. a little under $8,000. <laughs> no, I mean, for each person that comes in, they pay that much? $8,000 is what it takes that to make this like, show happen. That sounds like a deal, actually. It I is a deal a to make on. all of these things. No. Uh, <laughs> tickets, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> yes, with <laughs> with a coupon rate. No, tickets, believe it or not, uh, in, in true... Central Florida Community Arts, uh, true to the mission of Central Florida Community Arts to make the arts affordable and accessible to everyone, uh, tickets are starting at $10. Really? Really. All of that and all of those musicians yeah. and singers, $10. Yes. Kind of beating Hamilton at their own game. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not even the lottery ticket. Though. No, it's that's true. That's not even the lottery. That's, anybody can get that. Yeah. So, Charlie, you mentioned this kind of funny name, Quasimodo. Yes. Mm. Who is Quasimodo? Uh, Quasimodo is... In the show or no, in, the, in our story? In, this, in the story. Who yeah. is that? It, it, it's kind of hard to like, it, we don't think about it that much, but it is the main antagonist's nephew. It's the main antagonist of Frollo, mm -hmm. who is the archdeacon of Notre Dame. It's his nephew who he's taken charge of. And Quasimodo means half-formed. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's because he has birth defects that have caused him to look a little bit different than the rest of us. Even though he has the same heart and the same mind as the rest of us, his exterior is vastly different. And I think that has caused the mindset of, I guess they're saying the mindset of someone from the 1400s to think that it's a curse upon him mm. and that people will not treat him the same. There's a reason that he is this way. And because of that, he must be hidden away mm. to protect himself and anyone else from him. So it's, it's a little bit of a tragic figure from birth for this mm. guy. He, uh, and what lessons do we learn from him? I think we learn more about ourselves than we... in. How we view other people, how we treat other people, um, how we want to be treated. You know, we, we see all that through him, and it's so easy to see him as a sympathetic character, as someone that, oh, you know, look at that guy. You know, we can feel sorry for him, but how does that affect us? And I think through the course of the show, we, we kind of see that, that we can feel sorry for him, but we see how we have an effect on him. And it's kind of like Rob was saying earlier, he is a stand-in almost for the marginalized mm. within, you know, within our country, within all across the world, the people mm. who, who we can have separation from, we can kind of be like, oh, you know, we're going to, you know, look down at them and say, you know, hey, good for them. We'll try to help them out or something like that. And I think this really helps to humanize. So let me ask element. you all this question, anyone who has a thought about it. When we go and we watch a show like that and we realize we can come out a little bit different from this lesson, do you think it makes a difference in a person's behavior or perception from there on? I hope so. I know. I mean, me too. <laughs> but I, I guess, I, I, do you have any stories of one that has happened for you or anyone you know? Mm. I'm just putting that on you now because mm -hmm. I imagine there, <laughs> we, we wouldn't still be around doing songs and plays if it didn't. But um, You know, um, there is a, there's a director who is back in town, um, and I heard him say one time that uh, you know, theater, much like bread, must be made fresh daily. Mm. And uh, the reason I bring that up is I think um, uh, inspiration and uh, the drive, the motivation to make changes for yourself, the motivation to make changes in your world, it's got to be made fresh daily. Um, and so I think shows like this, performances like these, sto just stories and songs and dance, not e it, the, the arts is a great conduit um, 
to make that daily in your life. And so to say that somebody is going to be changed, yes, I do believe that somebody will be changed. How long they will stay changed, I don't know. Um, the world is cruel and the world is wicked and it is ugly. And, uh, and so it's hard to keep that fresh in your life. So um, to, to come to these shows and hear these stories and hear these songs, I think it, it, it freshens uh, the change that we want to make for ourselves. Mm. That's, a, that's a great way of putting that, Rob. Philip, I'm curious, kind of in line with that same thing, you know, Mary asked the question about as a consumer of the show, as watching the show, experiencing the mm -hmm. show, how do we leave different? Same question for you, being in the show, rehearsing this, kind of living it the last few months. Um, has it changed your view on anything? Has it impacted you in any way? I mean, it's kind of, it's a, the story itself kind of lends, it lends itself to teaching the lessons whether you're watching or whether you're in it. The fact that I have to live in these characters' roles um, I think it takes a deeper toll on me, definitely as a person, not just as an actor. Um, there are certain roles in there that we have to visit some really dark places within ourselves in order to create these characters in a realistic fashion. And I've definitely had to drum up some emotions that I don't necessarily like to delve into. Um, but they're there, and right. that's part of it. It's just, it's that's part of the moral of our story is that we're not saying everyone's perfect. That's That would be impossible, but as people, you have to make choices and those choices influences your actions and what actions you want to live out day to day is going to affect our world. And we'll definitely see that throughout all the stories. You know, Mary, you and I talk a lot about, and that's right on Philip. I love that. We, we talk a lot about theater being a safe place to bring up topics or talk about things or to feel things that you don't normally, or sometimes you don't feel comfortable doing in real life per se, you know, like, and so it sounds like this is one of those shows where there are going to be some things that come out and talked about where people might actually be thinking about or experiencing in their own mm -hmm. lives. And it becomes safe to say, okay, we can talk about these things. We can talk about these feelings that have drummed up. We can talk about these feelings of isolation or not being included or inclusive, you know. So I think this is one of those shows mm. where we're going to see that. We're going to experience it. the after show conversations mm -hmm. are going to be pretty thought provoking. Wouldn't you say, Rob? Oh, sure. That's we, one of my favorite things you said, the after show conversations. <laughs> I love it when there are talkbacks at mm. theater shows. Yeah. I'll go on a Thursday night wherever because I love hearing the questions people have and the answers that the actors give, not unlike what we're doing now. Um, but on the car ride home, you often have that with your family and friends. Yeah, you really do. And depending on what show you see really dictates the kind of conversation you have afterwards. I remember when I saw uh, in our own theater, The Crucible. Um, and boy, I've seen The Crucible so many times. But this time I walked away and I literally couldn't speak for like mm. an hour. Mm. I was so captivated by what I had experienced that I didn't even want to talk. It was just the weirdest thing. And that's very weird for me. <laughs> I just didn't want to say a word. And I was with a whole group of people. I literally didn't want to talk. It's just so interesting. What do you attribute that to? Is it a time in your life that was different? Uh, no, I just think it was what I had. I was so captivated and moved by what I had seen. Nicole, I was literally I was over. Yeah, I was just overwhelmed by what I had seen and experienced in those lives and how they intersected and the lies and all the things. And I just walked away going, whoa, mm -hmm. that was a lot. Um, but in a good way, like mm -hmm. it just really, it was really thought provoking. So one of the, uh, one of the mantras that we have been using as, on, as the creative team, but we also let our, our cast in on it, um, is the idea. And I, I've heard this before and we are using it especially and specifically for this show, the idea that theater 
and this show and this story um, should uh, it should comfort the disturbed and it should disturb the comfortable. Oh, mm. I like that. Yeah. And so there are going to be people, uh, you know, in different in different parts of the of the story, in different parts of the show, people sitting on our audience. Um, I hope that we'll feel comfort, comforted and go, oh, I can identify with this character. I can identify with this part of the story. And then there might be times where they go, mm, I'm uncomfortable by this. Mm. This part's uncomfortable for me. I can't identify with that. That's And that's that should be discomforting. That's a moving experience. Yes. Really. I feel like yes. this word is usually kind of um, related to or, or in the same world as a religious experience. But I feel like some people will feel convicted after mm, watching sure. Uh, this show that of of they were the players on the outside who who maybe have not treated Quasimodo the Quasimodos in their life the way that they should. Wow! But but isn't that powerful? Yes. What, wouldn't it be great if just one person walked away from the show and said, "I'm going to treat the people around me differently yes. from now on." Yes. Then that's what you were referring to earlier. Yes. So uh, Rob, there are so many great characters in the show, and you have a lot of amazing, talented performers yeah. who are filming them. Tell us about some of the other characters and the people that we're going to see. Sure. So uh, let's let's do go back and um, uh, talk a little bit about Quasimodo. Um, he is being played actually by Ian Gibb. Um, Ian Gig- Gibb is making a, re- a return for us. He was in Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat with Central Florida Community Arts most recently, but he's returning back um, as Quasimodo. And what a great experience we've had with him that he actually was on the workshop cast for both uh, La Jolla and Paper Mill when Disney Theatricals was uh workshopping the show he was on on both those casts and you can actually hear him um in on the cast recording the studio concept album but he understudied quasimodo but believe it or not never got to play it wow and uh so he is really really excited and really happy now's his chance to put (laughs) his thumbprint on it put a stamp on it tell us one more character then we come back we're gonna hear the rest of the so john barnick is playing the role of frollo John Barnick is a great performer around town playing the role of Frollo and uh, something that we have really dove into. And of course, we know from from being familiar with the story that Frollo is the bad guy. Mm. But we, with this story, not only the script that was given to us, but also with our scene work, we have made a really strong point of making sure that this character is relatable and honestly, a little bit likable mm-hmm. uh, mm. that we can understand and see his side of the story. So that again, it might p- make people a little bit dis- uh, uncomfortable. In, in hearing that and seeing that in this bad guy character. Awesome. Yeah. There are so many more great characters that we want to meet and talk about when we come back. So join us back here and from the heart as we continue to talk to Rob and Charlie and Philip from the cast of Hunchback of Notre Dame. Welcome back to From the Heart. Joshua Vickery and myself, Mary Thompson Hunt, are very pleased today to have represent- representatives from Hunchback that will be performed at Northland Church, uh, produced by Central Florida Community Arts. Um, what's very exciting about this is you're all listening to this on the 4th. It's Sunday night. But this coming Friday and Saturday, I can't imagine you have anything more important to do 
Thursday and Friday. Thursday and Friday. Yeah, oh, yes. But... Let's make it Thursday and Friday. <laughs> yes. Saturday, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> you know what? Thank you. We gave yeah. you Saturday night Live off. Live it up on Saturday. <laughs> Thursday and Friday night at 730. Uh, we hope that you'll come and join us. Uh, so I wanted to ask you to continue where you were going because it, we're hearing about the characters and it was mm-hmm. getting interesting. We had to take a break. Let's start off where you left. Well, and I, I think that for uh, for the most part, a lot of our audience is probably somewhat familiar with these characters via through the the Disney film or just even just our general society. This this content of this uh, story is so well known. Uh, but yeah, going back in, uh, of course, we have Esmeralda, um, which uh, is she is a a fantastic character um and so very layered um again because of the story that we are most familiar with we we got kind of a snippet in an hour and a half we got an animated version of that character and uh, we get to expand on that quite a bit um and in so doing uh we get to see that one of the conversations that we have is that for her it's it's kind of a, a back and forth of 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 status that um so many of the people, when she's with the gypsies, um, you know, a lot of that is is fun. Uh, but the gypsies see the world one way, and the clergy of the church see the world another way. Mm. And uh, Frollo, especially, he he gets to see the world um, through the filter, through the lens of the church, and everything that goes with that. Especially all those centuries ago, he he sees the world that way, and so he has that moral high ground. Um, and then, though. Uh, Esmeralda chimes in and she has kind of a, well, but here's the real life world that I live in. Um, and it's not so black and white. There is some gray and she has her own moral high ground that we get to explore as well. Hmm. So, uh, so that's been super fun to explore that with, with her. Um, and then, uh, let's see, um, well, Clopin, of course, uh, is, uh, he's kind of our, our big head narrator. Um, and he, make sure that everybody is where they need to be when they need to be there to tell the story that we need to tell. You know, we have a, a cast of, of main of 16 players wow. and what's, what's interesting about this script and what is interesting about the way that we're telling our story is that, um, those 16 characters, those 16 players play a slew of different characters, um, including everybody is on stage. You don't know who any one person is until they change their costume to be that next character. So you see an entire cast uh, in when, when we come in and you don't know necessarily who anyone is, which plays to our to our tagline of what makes a monster and what makes a man mm. that. Uh, you don't know who anybody is when you first meet them and the different characters that they play and take on different roles who that, you know, uh, Charlie, you're you're a gypsy at one point and then you're also uh, in the clergy and then you're also uh, royalty steals money from me. At he one sure point. does. Yeah, <laughs> I do. You don't sound bitter or anything. <laughs> no, no, no. I think it's just a bunch of pennies in a bag. So I'll be fine. <laughs> so, is, Ro- is this a show for families? Well, you know what? We are being uh, we are being mindful and careful about that. There are some again. I, I say that this is a this is a, certainly a tragic story, and uh, so we want we are encouraging parental discretion. Uh, there are some moments. Um, there's some some moments of violence um, that are important to the story, and we couldn't shy away from those. We're we are being careful uh, as to the way that we are doing showing that violence. We are doing it in a theatrical way. Uh, that is more uh, representative and not true. We're, we're not going for, for true violence in this as right. much as we are. So it's something families can discuss. Certainly, My, yeah. When I was a young girl, uh, we started going to Broadway when I remember being in first grade. 
uh, we would go to Sound of Music, I remember. And I remember on the way home, my mother asking us questions. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. didn't know about Nazis. I didn't know about things that happened. So one of the things I know Jean Columbus talks about this is talk about it. Talk mm-hmm. about what yeah. happens and and then bring it to your own life. Well, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and and listen to what their thoughts are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what are some questions that they could ask their children concerning this particular musical that might make for a learning bonding family experience? I would say, and I, I want you guys maybe to chime in on this, but I, I would say um, first and foremost, so how did that make you feel? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and just letting that sit there and, you know, good, bad, sad, um, angry. How did that make you feel? Uh, I, I think we can discover a lot about mm-hmm. e- about ourselves mm-hmm. just in asking that question. How did that make you feel? And then maybe sharing how it made them feel too. Right. Um, what did you like? Mm-hmm. What did you not like? Yeah. Yeah, I'm curious. What do you think, Philip? What are some questions? That's that's a really great thought to think about. What are some questions parents might be able to talk about with their kids after seeing this show? I think uh, one of the things that we just discuss in the story is the golden rule. You know, um, we, it's something we're taught from birth, you know, treat others the way you wish to be treated. And, you know, in what ways in the, in, as they're watching the story, do, do they see, do they see that golden rule play out? Are, are we really living that, that in our everyday life and then bring that back to reality? And like, do you feel like you're always within that realm of treating others the way you like to be treated in, ex- in those exact ways, you know? And do you know mm. anyone in your school that gets treated that way? Absolutely. And what can we do about that? Mm-hmm. And, and maybe bring it back to, you know, if, when when you see those things, just like you've seen now, and you have these feelings, then what you know, and making it a deeper conversation as to you know not just discussing the feelings, but then what you can do with them, and how do you stand up for Absolutely. that person? Mm-hmm. That's cool. What do you think, Charlie? My thing is kind of parallel. I think you know, almost ask them: Is there a character you relate to? Is there a character you see yourself in? And then I think that could also be a good pathway to those deeper discussions. Kind of like, well, if you feel like quasi, or if you had moments where you felt like that, why you know, mm-hmm. and or. The other way, when you felt, have you ever felt like one of those villagers that threw rotten fruit mm-hmm. at Quasi, you mm-hmm. know, and now that you've seen both sides of the story told on stage, how do you think it would feel if you were on the other end? Right. I would love to challenge any listener out there right now that thinks maybe their 12 year old would be up for such a conversation and you would dare initiate it. And then I would love for you to contact us and let us know how it goes. We'll put you on there. Yeah, I love that. That would be really great to hear because then how, you know, that we would be able to really understand how this musical in itself impacts families. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be great. Rob, you know, not to change the subject, but I know you were you're just dying to thank your team because you are a big <laughs> you're a big team guy and you're the director, but you have a lot of wonderful people me- helping you make this happen. So why don't you give a shout out to them? Well, and yeah, for for anyone who is listening, uh, should you ever be so fortunate as to have a team such as mine? Um, <laughs> we I I, I I long, I've long said that our team is well-rounded because its members are sharp. And uh, so we have some some members of our creative team and production team that are fantastic. Ashley Wilsey um, is uh, the assistant director and is one of among the best at getting me unstuck. Um, and so she'll just ask really, really great questions and point me in a direction and say, you know, why are we doing it that way? We've and, I, and I'll say, well, my goodness, we well because that's the way we've been doing it since the first day of rehearsal. Well, we don't have to do it that way anymore. The audience doesn't know what it's supposed to be. Let's change it. Um, and so she's she is great with that. But also she is the um, 
general design, uh, the the look and feel of the show, uh, when you come and see it, um, the way that the show looks, if you are happy with it, that is all Ashley. If you have any complaints, it's because I approved it. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, truthfully, she um, she is in charge of the entire visual design. Jacob Haynes uh, will have his back turned to the audience throughout the entire show, but the musical part of the show rests fully on his shoulders. Turns around a curtain call. He sure does. Give he sure does. Love. Oh my yes. goodness, please do. Uh, he, um, you know, we, one of the things that, that is both a challenge and also a great opportunity with this show is that it is, the, the, the opportunity is that we've been presented with a great script, a great story, um, and it is material that, that the audience knows story-wise. What is the challenge is that we, um, it does not have a, a, a strong historical theatrical background. Uh, there's no iconic theatrical moments in this show that people are hoping and expecting to see because it's not being performed and produced regularly. Mm. Not yet, at least. And so we're among the first in town to do it. And so our audience doesn't necessarily have that vocabulary yet as to the moments that they're looking for. So that's the, great. The, it is. It's a huge opportunity and and uh, and certainly a challenge. But uh, so we didn't know a lot of we didn't necessarily know the challenge that we were accepting until we got into it. And as we were, and, and the cast can attest to this, and it's been fun, but certainly a, a thing that literally once we solve one problem in a, ten, in, a, in a sense, we'll solve a problem and it will create three more problems mm. just by solving that problem. Now we have three more problems. <laughs> then we'll solve those three problems. And each of those kind of unfurls a whole new set of, of issues. So uh, we've been able to solve them not only as a creative team, but also including the entire cast to make sure that that gets done. Uh, but we didn't know what we were undertaking. And especially I want to go back to Jacob Haynes musically. I mean, this show doesn't really stop musically. There is continuous underscore continuous choir continuous solo singing that is really resting and waiting on him and his meter uh, and his artistic ear uh, to make sure that all of that happens seamlessly so uh, those are those are the main ones but we also have a brand new member of our team and her name is Barbara Hartwig and she uh, she arrived um, a little bit after the fact but my goodness with a little bit uh, with very little direction and with very little time she uh, choreographed some really amazing moments in our show that uh, I all all I said was you know what it needs to be um, I don't know they're gypsies we shouldn't <laughs> be able to recognize any of the any of the movement that they are doing it it needs to look yeah I don't know just a little bit messy foreign. yeah foreign <laughs> and she came back and came through uh, hugely with that so uh, the, as far as the creative team goes that's that's uh, the the people that I I cannot. Thank enough, and I trust them with everything with the show. Tell us again how many people f can fill Northland. We are looking at, I believe, about thirty-one hundred seats per night. Per so night, sixty-two hundred of you out there listening can come. Please come, please. Mm -hmm. um, and also, by the time you're listening to this, this show will already be on the website on Central Florida Community Arts website. You can find the show. Put it on your Facebook page. Say, "I'm going." Who's going with me? Mm. Let's help them fill this house. Yeah, and Sunday, when you hear this, we will just finished up Sits Probe, it's true. which is where we bring Oof. all the peeps together yep. uh, musically <laughs> for the first time. And it starts to really, it's the beginning of show week. It is oh. that, so you know, excited. it's that glorious moment so where excited. it all starts coming <laughs> is, together. Is that an acronym? 
Sitzprobe. Sitzprobe. Sitz, I, I forget what uh, I, I'm German, maybe, but it it stands actually for seated rehearsal. Oh mm. wow! Um, I believe, and uh, all anybody there's somebody yelling at their at their radio <laughs> right now, going, "No, that's wrong!" Uh, but it 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 stands for seated rehearsal, and it's the first time that the choir and the orchestra, the cast and the orchestra, comes together wow. for the very first time. And uh, and and it is. It needs to be seated because it takes a while, right? Yeah. Uh, to just get everybody moving and playing at the same time. And it's exciting, but it's also the the most scariest part for the music director of the entire <laughs> run is that moment where it's like okay this is the time to pull it all together musically because wow. the next rehearsal is tech rehearsal mm-hmm. and it's all about tech and then it's dress and basically that's a show without an audience oh my so, goodness yeah so that, yes. that, that that's its probe is really exciting but extremely important well, unfortunately we're almost out of time i just want to go around one more time to each of you give us like a couple of sentences to just give us the one reason why everyone should come go ahead and plug it give us your best commercial go <laughs> <laughs> phil you start all right um it's it's an iconic story and i it, as an actor again this is one of those stories that like people claw at to tell and the fact that um, we're one of the first ones to tell it, and in the, the story itself is so great. I just think that in this day and age, we need stories like this to be told, and you would be remiss if you missed it. So come and see us. It's going to be awesome. Awesome. Thank nice. you, Philip. Charlie? Charlie here. <laughs> <laughs> what makes a monster? Ooh. And what makes a man? Ooh. Come and find that answer for yourself at CFC Arts production of Hunchback of Notre Dame. Well done. Well done. Wow. There's our wow. commercial. Wow. wow. Cut. Nailed print. It. Nice. Wow. Uh, no pressure. I know. Well, so uh, as the, again, as the, as the leader of the creative team, it's been interesting being at the rehearsals and being so, I and mean, this show, this story has changed me. And being at the rehearsals and watching these amazingly talented performers do these scenes, say these lines, and have it land in such a way that um, I find myself choked up. I find myself mm. uh, in, a, in a situation where my, I, I forget that I have a job to do, and my job is to direct this show and keep it moving, and I, I realize that I'm, I'm overcome with emotion sometimes. So Aww. I would highly recommend you coming out and experience that for yourself. Yay, and friends. And our job? Uh, to, is to leave. <laughs> but friends, I know this cast, and they're going to be phenomenal. You don't want to miss it. The Hunchback of Notre Dame with a 16-member cast, 35-member orchestra, 100-voice choir in a beautiful, beautiful venue. Thursday and Friday, February 8th and 9th, 7.30 at Northland Church. I'll be there. CFCArts.com. CFCArts.com. I will be there. Yes. And we'll see you. (laughs) And so will Charlie and so will Philip. And we'll see you next week, listeners, on From the Heart. Magic 107.7 FM. (laughs) 